0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. Uh, If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio detectives. Well, this episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Uh, Thank you so much for your support, and I also want to especially call out and thank uh, Dennis for his, uh, donation, uh, really appreciate that nice, uh, donation and we'll be sending along access to our premium site as we do with all tips of, uh, of, uh, seven dollars or more. Alright, well today, it's time for today's episode. This one is called The Case of the Sanguinary Spectre.
2: New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men, and 1036 leading retail stores from coast to coast, present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. (music) Tonight's adventure, The Case of the Sanguinary Specter. Well, here we are, Dr. Watson. This time it's a sleet storm we've waded through to reach your cheerful fireside.
3: And a Sherlock Holmes adventure, Mr. Harris. Let's not forget that's the real lodestone that brings you on these periodic pilgrimages.
2: Right, Doctor. Nor sleet, nor snow, nor dark of night can keep this Sherlock Holmes addict from his weekly story, believe me, to paraphrase a much more famous quotation.
3: Very flattering, I'm sure, Mr. Harris.
2: Well, what's tonight's adventure about, Doctor?
3: Tonight I think I'll tell you how Holmes revisited the ancient manor called Hurlstone and how the lady of the manor told a ghostly story which turned out to be more authentic than even she anticipated, what with the blood that dripped slowly out of the wainscoting. (laughs) dear me, speaking of authenticity and the like... Reminds me that you have a word or so to say about one of the few genuine bargains still left in this world of soaring prices and disappearing values.
2: Oh, you wouldn't by any chance be alluding to Clippercraft clothes, Dr. Watson.
3: What else, Mr. Harris? What else?
2: Well, it doesn't take the American public long to recognize a fine product. No, true merit always gets a real spotlight. And Clippercraft clothes have that kind of merit. Clippercraft's out of this world values are recognized across the country. And for just one reason are these values superior. That reason, of course, is the famous Clippercraft plan. The Clippercraft plan concentrates the buying power of 1036 of the nation's finest stores from coast to coast, providing year-round economies in manufacturing and distribution costs. Not only do you pay less for Clippercraft, but they're sold by your own local independent store where you get friendly personal attention. Think of it, truly fine Clippercraft suits For only $40 and $45. Beautifully tailored top coats and overcoats for only $40. And sport jackets for only $26.50. Simply compare them with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now to return to the ghost of Hurlston Manor, Dr. Watson. Hurlston? Say, wasn't that the ancient... Country home of the Musgraves, where Holmes discovered the crown of the stored kings?
3: Correct, Mr. Harris, absolutely correct. But uh, this is another story. Uh, To begin at the beginning, Holmes, as you know, in his uh, cerebral processes, was the neatest and most methodical individual. But in his personal habits, he was the untidiest man that ever drove a fellow lodger to distraction. <laughs> not that I'm what you'd call painfully tidy myself. Oh, now, Dr. Watson, you're always neat as a pen. With Clippercrafts, that's easy. But, uh, don't interrupt me. Where was I? Oh, yes, yes. I'm certainly not what you'd call prissy, but when I find a man who keeps his cigars in a coal scuttle, his tobacco in the toe of a Persian slipper, and his unanswered correspondence transfixed by a jackknife in, in the very center of the mantelpiece, I, well, <laughs> Then I begin to give myself virtue of air.
2: I don't wonder, Doctor.
3: Imagine then my surprise, when on returning one afternoon from making my medical rounds, I found Holmes in a stiff collar and wearing his Prince Albert. Furthermore, he was tidying up his chemical table and kicking his notebooks, papers, and other impediment out of sight under the sofa. <laughs> To be queen of the May, Mother, for I'm to be queen of the May. Holmes, what in heaven's name is the.
4: Watson, your overshoes. Kindly leave them outside. Can't have you tracking mud about. Uh,
3: Holmes, have you taken leave of your senses? Aren't you feeling well?
4: Certainly I'm feeling well. Never felt better. But don't stand there with your mouth open like a ninny. Help me clear this litter off the sofa. But what... Here, here, take this gasogene and the morning papers. And, and here's the microscope and your top hat. What? Oh, good lord, there she is now. Who? Mrs. Reginald Musgrave, of course. She's coming to pay us a call. Well, well don't just stand there with that stuff. Put it away somewhere.
3: where, oh, for the love of heaven?
4: Behind curtains. the curtains or, or, or the door. No, no, wait. Chuck it here in the umbrella stand.
3: Oh. Hurry. All right, all right. There.
4: Ah, all neat and shipshape, Not a thing out of place. Except your back hair, Watson. Do slap it down. There's a good chap. Oh, go to blazes. Well,
3: well, open the door for Mrs. Musgrave. Open the door. Oh, Holmes, you are the most exasperate man, How do you do, oh. Dr. Watson? <laughs> Won't you come in, Mrs. Musgrave? Why, it's not Mrs. Musgrave at all. It's the Honourable Alice Adair, Lady Maynooth's charming sister-in-law. I was Alice Adair, Dr. Watson, until Mr. Holmes
5: introduced me to his old classmate, Reginald Musgrave, some months ago. It was one weekend last spring when he escorted Lady Maynooth and myself <laughs> down to Sussex to view the, Sus- the Stuart Crown. Right then and there, I fell in love with Hurlston and determined to become its mistress. Of course, I had to marry Reggie to accomplish my purpose.
4: Hmm. Had a meeting out of her hand inside of 20 minutes. One flutter of her eyelid and Reggie was a goner. And I never knew you even met the blighter.
5: Sherlock, you mean you didn't tell him about the wedding? Now, really, that's too bad of you. Mr. Holmes was best man, Dr. Watson. Oh. Reggie and I were married in the registry office. You know how skittery middle-aged bachelors are about a big wedding.
4: Well, my dear Alice, how are things at Hurlstone?
5: Dreadful. I'm so annoyed with Reggie, I'm hardly speaking to him. If he goes through with it, I shall divorce him, whether I have grounds or not.
3: Goes through with what?
5: He's threatening to sell the estate.
3: Oh, good Lord, no. Why, the Musgraves have always lived at Hurlstone.
5: That's what I keep telling him.
3: Besides, it's famous. It's the oldest inhabited building in the county.
5: That's what he keeps telling me. He says it's too old to be inhabited any longer. He has absolutely no feeling for all those darling old mullioned windows and the beautiful old mantelpieces and paneling. Keeps on telling me it's damp and draughty. It's his rheumatism, of course, that makes him so unreasonable. That and that wretched Stuart Crown you discovered for him, Sherlock. Did you have to do that?
4: But, my dear Alice, he was delighted when we found the royal diadem. If I'd handed him a million pounds, he couldn't have been more excited.
5: Well, it's turned out to be a regular Frankenstein's monster. People come from all over to see this stupid thing. They come in droves by carriage and charabar and lorry. They come and bring their lunches. We haven't a moment's privacy.
4: Hmm. Why doesn't he send it off to a museum where it belongs?
5: Because that's what the government wanted him to do in the first place. Well, things have been going from bad to worse. All those trippers tramping through the shrubbery were bad enough. But that dreadful boy yesterday afternoon, that's what really put the pant... uh, the the petticoats on the Queen.
4: What uh, boy are you referring to, Alice?
5: That horrible little urchin we found in the tea garden, pulling up Reggie's prize petunia by the roots.
6: Here, here, I say.
0: What's this? What's this? Oh, it's Alfie, Governor. Picking wild flowers, he is. How <laughs> oh, he do love nature. Well, <laughs> tell him to stop. Those are not wild flowers. Those are my best imported French petunias. French, eh? Well, what do you know? Here, that's enough, Alfie. Uh, that's enough posies. And uh, Now we'll go and see the pretty crown. I
5: don't want to see no crown. I want to pick posies.
7: Now stop it, I say. Put that plant back where you found it. Ah, I do like the old man tells you, Alfie. And hey, wipe your nose. Ah! You. Oh, tell him to stop that infernal racket, or I shan't permit you to see the crown at
0: all. Yeah, now, yeah, now. Hold on there. You can't refuse to that al crown. It's
7: historic. He's got as much right to look at it as you have. That settles it. I'll sell the place and the grounds and the Ruddy Crown as well. I'll sell it to Plunkett, the Pickle King. See if I don't.
4: Good Lord, don't tell me old Plunkett has offered to buy Hurston.
5: So it seems, Sherlock. I told Reggie if he even thought of it, I'd never speak to him again. But that only made him more determined. You've no idea how obstinate he can be?
4: A uh, pig-headed is the word, my dear Alice. Mm,
5: oh, yes, well, perhaps you're right. That's what comes of his staying a bachelor until he was pushing 40.
3: <laughs> Hear that, Watson? that will be a lesson to you. He was probably waiting until you happened along, Mrs. Musgrave.
5: Why, Dr. Watson, what a charming thing to say. He must make Sherlock bring you down for the weekend. Thank uh, you. What
3: weekend? I'm attending no elegant
4: weekend parties at Hurlstone. Oh,
5: yes, you are. You're responsible for this brainstorm of wretches. If you hadn't discovered that wretched crown, he wouldn't want to sell the place. And if it weren't for the crown, I'm sure Hennessy Plunkett wouldn't dream of buying it.
3: Pearlstone in the possession of Hennessy Plunkett, the pickle king. It'd be sacrilege. He
5: even talks about putting out a new brand, Crown Pickles, with a picture of the Stuart Crown on the bottle.
3: Oh, shocking bad taste. Uh-huh. Hmm. I will
5: not have that dreadful old vulgarian strutting around the property. He'd ruin it in no time. Sherlock, you and Dr. Watson simply must come down and help me to save Hurlston from that pickle peddler. <laughs> Mr. Plunkett, but how delightful to have you here for a visit.
6: Never buy anything before I've tried a sample of it, ma'am. might not be able to sleep here. Get terrible insomnia sometimes in the country.
5: Well, uh, of course, the frogs and crickets around Hurlston are rather noisy.
6: Oh, rot. Divas, take Mr. Plunkett's things up to the blue room, next to the bar. Uh, Hold on there, Musgrave. Is that the room King Charles hid out in when he was beating it up north to Scotland?
5: No, the Stuart room is in the old wing, Mr. Plunkett. You wouldn't want to sleep there. There's, uh, uh, well, there's no plumbing in that part of the house.
6: Look here, Miss Musgrave. I was a grown man before I even knowed there was such a thing as indoor plumbing. Besides, what's good enough for King Charles is good enough for me. Uh,
5: Yes, but, uh, that is, uh, if you're a light sleeper, well, the ghost might keep you awake.
6: Ghost? Look here, Musgrave, you didn't tell me Hurlstone had a ghost.
5: Why, of course. The Stuart Room has always had a ghost.
6: Ridiculous. Charles didn't
7: die there, Alice. He only hid there for a week or so.
5: (laughs) Pay no attention to Reggie, Mr. Plunkett. He doesn't begin to know all the historical facts about this house. Now, since I came here, I've been reading up on all the old documents in the library. This house has had a frightening and gory history, Mr. Plunkett. Oh,
6: Alice, really? Well, what do you know? I guess those Britishers were kind of rugged in the olden days. So the place has a ghost. Uh, You know, I've always sort of had a hankering to meet a spook. Don't have anywhere I come from.
5: Really? No ghosts in Pittsville?
6: Pittsburgh. That's where I hail from, Miss Musgrave. I was born in a shack in Shantytown. Imagine if I was to end up sleeping in the bed King Charles slept in, <laughs> with a ghost beside.
5: <laughs> it's rather an unpleasant ghost, I'm afraid. Uh, the ghost of Lady Daphne, who shot her lover in the wainscoting.
6: You don't say. Hey, tell me about it.
5: Well, it seems that Lady Daphne's husband was always going off to the wars, leaving her behind with her housekeeping and her needlework. Now, women didn't read in those days, you know, so she had no good books to divert her mind. Suddenly, one morning, a young huntsman, all in green, drove up on a chestnut stallion. Oh,
7: nice colour combination, my dear. Oh,
5: don't interrupt, Reggie. Sorry. Uh, Well, it it seemed that he'd been uh, gored by a deer or something, so Lady Daphne put him in the best guest room. Uh, The one King Charles had made famous. Oh, don't (laughs) be stupid, Reggie. This was back in the days of the Plantagenets. The Stuarts hadn't even been heard of. Lady Daphne nursed the huntsman back to health and fell in love with him. It created quite a scandal, I guess, because... Pretty soon, even old Lord Musgrave heard about it and came sneaking back from the wars one dark night.
6: Very unsporting of them, eh, Musgrave? Rather, yes.
5: (laughs) Well, of course, you couldn't really sneak very successfully in the armor they wore in those days. So the Lady Daphne and her lover heard him tiptoeing up the hall. And quick as a flash, Lady Daphne shoved her lover into a sort of cupboard in the wainscoting. And when Lord Musgrave came clattering in, she was back in bed, sound asleep. She looked so pretty there, he, he didn't have the heart to wake her. He just called a couple of his serving men, and they boarded up the closet with the lover inside.
7: And the lady and her lover were so terrified, they never said boo. And the poor chap just sat there and quietly suffocated to death.
5: Reggie, I thought you didn't know that story. Mm,
7: yes, I fancy I've read that uh, manuscript at some time or other.
5: Well, finally, after several days, the Lady Daphne couldn't stand the strain any longer. She took out her husband's revolver and fired a shot through the wainscoting. And pretty soon, a slow trickle of blood came out onto the floor.
7: Well, that's a departure I hadn't read about.
5: Lord Musgrave pretended not to notice, but went calmly back to the walls. The Lady Daphne's hair turned completely white, of course, and you can still see her wandering about the room, moaning and wringing her hand. So, dear Mr. Plunkett, I really don't think you should sleep in the Stuart room if you suffer from insomnia.
6: Oh, don't you worry, Miss Musgrave. If anyone's going to be scared tonight, it'll be Lady Daphne, not me.
7: Pass uh, Dr. Watson the port, Sherlock. That's a good fellow. His glass is empty. Oh, oh, oh what's up, Reggie? Oh, just a twinge in my left knee... Must be a storm coming up. That knee's a regular barometer.
6: Hmm. Dashed fine port you have, Musgrave. Must be old. My dear Mr. Plunkett, the
7: port in this house was laid down by my great-grandfather.
6: Oh, you don't say. Um, the cellar goes with the house, of course. What remains of it? Only three
7: bottles left beside this one. Afraid all my forebears have been uh, heavy port drinkers. The Musgrave port has always been famous, Mr. Plunkett. Oh, yes, Dr. Watson. Nothing could persuade me to part with the place that we still had the cellar we had in my grandfather's, or even my father's day. Oh, well. Sick transit, Gloria Mundi. Oh, 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 confound that knee.
3: <laughs> it's a reliable weather, Prophet. At any rate, here comes the storm.
6: Well, I can't say I like thunderstorms. Never have. Got some bad ones in the Alleghenies when I was a boy. I've seen lightning bounce off of those mountains like it was the devil playing ninepin. I always crawled into my old man's feather bed when I heard it coming. Lightning can't get you if you're in a feather bed. Yeah, you wouldn't have a feather bed here at Hurlstone, would you? Why,
7: yes, we uh, have some either-down coverlets, I believe. But uh, don't you think it'll be too warm? I mean, it's only the beginning of September. It
6: ablazes with the heat. You tell Devers to bring me a couple up to my room. I'm going to get into bed right now.
0: Deavers, you can light the fire in that fireplace. Yes, sir, but if you're going to retire, sir... Now, don't
6: give me an argument. Lightning has a habit of coming down chimneys. It's on account of the draft and the cold air. But if there's a fire lit and there's hot air going up, it can't get in.
0: Dear, dear, that was a close one, wasn't it? Sounded like it hit the old oak. Lightning is always hitting the old oak, but Mm. it doesn't seem to mind. That was the oak mentioned in the ritual, you know. I've been here since the Norman invasion, they say. Yeah. Light that fire! Dad blasted! Yeah, very good, sir. Very good. There, there you are, sir. Uh, yeah,
6: help me off with my boots.
0: Uh, why, you are shivering, sir. And that's a fact. I yeah. I can even hear your teeth chattering.
6: Never mind my teeth. Hand me my nightshirt. Uh, yeah, yes, very
0: good, sir. Uh, uh, shall I bring you some water to wash and brush your teeth, in? I don't brush
6: my teeth. I curtain them out. Uh, I'm away. I'm getting into bed. Very very good, sir. uh,
0: Anything else, sir? Just get out and leave me to get to sleep. Uh, Yes, sir. If you should want anything, I'm afraid you'll just have to yell, sir. There's no bell in this part of the house. Uh, Yell good and loud, sir, and maybe someone will hear you. Uh, Well, sir, I'll I'll blow out the candle, huh? uh, (sighs) uh,
3: uh,
0: Good night, sir. Uh, Pleasant dreams.
6: Uh, Ugh. Veg's as cold as an icebox. <sighs> Storm's has blown over, thank heaven. What's that? Hmm. Mice. Must be mice. Whole place probably full of mice. Have to clean them out if I buy the house. Now what? Woodward Creek and always does in old houses. Lord, it's quiet. Can't even hear the storm. What's that? Sounds like a woman's skirts. There's a draught. Casement must have blown open. It's a curtain rustling. That's what it is old houses full of drafts, noises. Um, Maybe I should think twice before I buy the place. Still, Plunkett's Crown Pickles with a picture of the Stuart crown. Good advertising. Uh, That sounds just like a woman's petticoat. Confound it, that fire's dying down. Shadows. Nothing but shadows. That is a woman's petticoat. But I can't see anyone. Oh, rubbish, Plunkett. There's no such thing as ghosts. No such... such. What's that? Ah, Wind coming up. Wind in the chimney. Pull yourself together, Plunkett. Plunkett. Wonder what time it is. A light match. Look at my watch. It's half a minute to midnight. Midnight. And the ghosts and goblins. Oh! Match burn my fingers. Oh. Confound that creaking. I'm beginning to imagine things. For I... Uh, I swear there was someone else in this room with me. Oh, no, don't be an idiot, Plunkett. Who could it be? Who could possibly be? Uh, it's got a shot. A gunshot. Right here in this room. Help! Help! Someone's shooting at me! Help! Matches. I light the candle. Gotta get out of here. Oh! oh! Floor is icy. Floor is... Oh! oh. There's something wet and sticky. I stepped in it. Oh, blasted! My hand's shaking so I can't light the candle. Well, at last. Now let's have a look. There is something on the floor. It's red. It's blood. It's trickling out of the wind. in beside the fireplace. Help! Help! Get me out of here! Get me out!
7: What? What's the matter? Are oh, you hurt, Mr. Plunkett?
6: Yes. Shots. Musgrave. You heard the shots. That ghost came in and shot at me. Oh, nonsense. Alice only made up that story.
7: They couldn't... Oh,
6: no, you don't. I know what I've been shot at. You couldn't give me this house now. Where's my pants? Oh, don't be an ass, Plunkett. No one could have shot at you. There was no one in this room but yourself. Maybe no living person. But look over there, next to the fireplace. Someone shot that hole in the woodwork. Oh, rubbish. That's a knot hole. Just a knot hole. Oh, yeah? And what is that stuff trickling out onto the floor?
5: Great heavens, Reggie. It's blood. Of
6: course it's blood. Where's my coat and
7: shoes?
4: But it can't be blood. No one could be behind the paneling. Why, this is too fantastic. I'm going to rip open the woodwork. I wouldn't advise it, my dear Reggie. Not while Mr. Plunkett's here. He doesn't look as if he could stand another shock. Better not reveal the Musgrave horror before strangers, don't you
6: know? Oh, you're right, Mr. Holmes. I don't want no truck with family skeletons. I've had enough. I'm getting out. I don't ever want to see any part of Hurlstone again. Wait, Mr. Plunkett, you can't go like that. The blazes I can't go by. But you've forgotten your teeth.
2: And now, before Sherlock Holmes and Reginald Musgrave discover what lies behind the wainscoting, may I give you a suggestion? Take an expert like your wife or your best girl along with you when you go to choose your new Clippercraft suit or overcoat. See her amazement when she sees the beautiful tailoring, the clean-cut smartness, and the firm, long-wearing fabrics that are yours at such modest prices. She'll say, how do they do it? Just as everyone else does when they're face to face for the first time with Clippercraft. 40 and 45 dollars for clipper craft suits 40 dollars for top coats and overcoats and 26.50 for sport jackets are low prices that are the result of the famous clipper craft plan they'd be impossible without this wonderful idea that concentrates the buying power of 1036 stores across the nation yes selling expensive clothes at inexpensive low prices at the nation's finest independent stores is the great big idea behind the Clipper Craft plan. That's why men who know insist on Clipper Craft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clipper Craft store in your city.
4: These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clipper Craft in your suit, top coat and overcoat. In Manhattan, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. John Wanamaker's Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue.
2: And now to return to Hurlston Manor, where Sherlock Holmes and Reginald Musgrave are ripping away the wainscoting in the Stuart Room.
5: Oh, dear. I do wish you wouldn't open up that paneling, Reggie. Better let sleeping dogs lie and all that. I had no idea that ghost story I made up would turn out to be true. Stop blithering, Alice, and hand me that chisel. I wish I'd never thought up that ghost. I wish I'd never mentioned it to old Plunkett. I never dreamt there would be anything behind that paneling.
4: Now, calm yourself, Alice. It's not as bad as you think it is. As a matter of fact, I suspect that Reggie is in for a rather pleasant surprise.
5: There was a shot. Two shots. I heard them distinctly.
4: Two explosions, possibly. Shots no. I rather imagine the heat of the fire caused them. Reggie, how long since you've had a fire in that fireplace? Never, at least not as long as I can remember.
7: No one's used this part of the house since the other wing was built during the reign of William and Mary. Oh, confound it, this panelling won't budge. Now, yeah, I finally got a wedge in. Yeah, here, help me pry it loose. One, two... Oh, Reggie, I wish you wouldn't. Three...
3: Ah. Ah. By Jove, Holmes, there is a closet back of the panelling. But it's filled with bottles. Dozens and dozens of bottles covered with dust and cobwebs.
4: Yes, and two of the bottles have exploded from the heat of the fire. Here, let's have a look at one of them. It won't be necessary. I can tell you what's in them. Port. Excellent port. I rather suspect, my dear Reginald, that your revered grandfather had a rather special hiding place in this room. But how do you know it's port? By the aroma, my olfactory nerves are rather highly developed, you know. The moment I entered the room, I knew that the ruddy fluid Mr. Plunkett had stepped into wasn't blood but something far more interesting, a superior and venerable vintage of port
7: wine. Good Lord, and to think I nearly sold the place to that old ruffian with all these bottles still in it. I'd never forgiven myself. He'd never have appreciated them, never.
5: Oh, Reggie, then you're not angry with me for spoiling your sale? I just couldn't bear to think of leaving Hurlston.
7: Oh, there, there, my dear, I forgive you. And the next time you think up a ghost story, do try to be a bit more original.
5: Why, Reggie, what do you mean?
7: If old Plunkett hadn't been a complete ignoramus, he'd have recognized the incident of the lover
4: being bricked up in the woodwork. It's one of the most famous bits of French literature, you know.
3: By Jove, of course. No wonder I thought it sounded familiar.
4: I don't so much mind your swiping your plots, my dear Alice. The best storytellers do, you know.
3: Ask Dr. Watson. now really, Holmes. You must try to be a trifle
4: more accurate, you know. Anachronisms are taboo, my dear, in the best literary circles.
5: Why, Sherlock, what do you mean?
4: No Plantagenet lady would go popping at her lover with a pistol. They hadn't been invented. Oh, Oh, I'll admit gunpowder was not unknown. Cannon were undoubtedly used at Cressy and Poitiers, but personal firearms for private homicide were quite unavailable.
5: Oh, dear. Next time I'll say she finished him off with a bow and arrow.
7: (laughs) Well, never mind the historical inaccuracies. uh, Opening this panel has been dusty work, and I'm parched. Uh, What do you say we break out a bottle and see if the uh, contents of Grandfather's private vault is up to standard? An excellent idea, my dear Reggie. An
4: excellent idea.
5: Very well. But I warn you, this is one time the ladies do not leave the table while the port goes round.
2: Well, Dr. Watson, that certainly was an unusual Sherlock Holmes adventure, when the stain on the floor turns out to be wine instead of blood.
3: Oh, we had our lighter moments, Mr. Harris. We had our lighter moments, but don't get too relaxed, because next week's adventure is a real old-fashioned hair-raiser. Next week, I think I'll tell you how Holmes and I made a very sinister discovery in the ancient burial crypt at Shoscombe Old Place. And how it explained the strange behavior of Lady Falder's spaniel.
2: The makers of Clippercraft clothes and 1,036 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character of Sherlock Holmes... ...created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley... ...Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley... ...and the dramatizations are by Edith Meiser. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Ockren... ...with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer... Right Clippercraft, Two Hundred Fifth Avenue, New York City. Boys will be Boy Scouts if an adult will give them a hand. Boy Scout Week now is in full swing—a time when thousands of adults ask you to join them in the game of scouting for better citizenship. Full details from the National Council Boy Scouts of America at Two Park Avenue, New York, Sixteen, New York. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in the adventure of Showscombe Old Place. This is Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Craft Co. This is the world's largest network serving more than 450 radio stations the mutual broadcasting System. Stay with us for the news reported by Melvin Elliott, which follows
1: presently. Welcome back. I have to say that uh, uh, this was another somewhat weak script. It may have been the weakest so far just because uh, Holmes didn't have a whole lot to do with uh, solving the uh, problem that uh, led for him uh, being sent for. It, it perhaps would have seemed an appropriate solution, particularly if they still had Petri Wine as the... uh uh as the uh as the uh sponsor of Sherlock Holmes you know like they had during the last of the Rathbone Bruce, Bruce Harris they could say well what's back there why it's port and the best port petrie california port um now that would have been bad in one way but uh uh not quite not much worse than uh, Watson in-character uh, plugging the sponsor. Uh, and uh, this is something that, it's really odd. In old-time radio, it usually doesn't happen if, uh, you know, that uh, uh, characters will, as the character, uh, press a product. Uh, on many episodes of Dragnet, for example, uh uh, Chesterfield, uh, cigarettes would have Webb come out, but he would make the statement as, this is Jack Webb. You wouldn't see Joe Friday saying, uh, you want to, you know, to a criminal, you want a cigarette? Here, have a Ch- Chesterfield. It's got great mildness. And this would be just a kind of odd feature of the series. And, uh, this is not the, um, most blatant example of Characters plugging the product during this uh, mutual run. The most blatant example I'm aware of actually occurs in the next season of the show that we'll get to in a few months. Now, Dennis, who I mentioned at the start of the program, actually emailed me in advance to see if we uh, take PayPal. Uh, we do have a PayPal button over at greatdetectives.net, uh, but with all the things we have there, it can be, uh, maybe it can, it can be a little hard for folks to find. So, I'm going to uh, see if we can uh, find an easier way for folks to donate and find our PayPal page and if I'm able to do that, I'll let you know about it tomorrow. All right, well, we turn to listener comments. June says simply "Love these podcast," and you post that over on our Facebook wall. Well, thanks so much, June. That's greatly appreciated. And you can become one of our more than eleven hundred friends over on Facebook, uh, Facebook dot com slash radio detectives. Follow us on Twitter at radio detectives, and be sure every month to cast your vote for the show on Podcast Alley, Podcast Alley dot dot net. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host Adam Graham signing off.